our paradigm for today is the GP that is focused on orthodontics, which is the offices that are represented here. You are all ortho-focused general dentist, as I, am I, as Chris already alluded to in my introduction. I'm a, a GP, same as you. I still do two-thirds of my dentistry every day with a handpiece, but a third of my dentistry every day is with aligners. Uh, that's both in terms of time and in terms of revenue. So this is my part of our team, and um, this is actually a picture we took at our most uh, successful Invisalign day. Um, and I wanted to give, even though I get to stand here, the only reason I get to stand here is because of this team. And they've helped put me here. They've helped uh, present this to our patients with consistency. And I hope that we can share a few things along the way today that will help you to that same level. So as an ortho-focused general dentist, we have situations that are unique to the general dentist that specialists don't face. Some of those uniquenesses are to our benefit. Some of them actually stack the deck to our detriment. Think about it, if you will, with me. If a patient of an orthodontist finishes treatment, when does the orthodontist see them again? Who's left to manage that patient? You are. So if and when relapse occurs, does the orthodontist ever have to look that patient in the eye? You and I do. And it's because of that uniqueness that you and I face as an ortho-focused GP that retention is even more critical. And if you've been doing Invisalign any particular length of time, I bet you can find yourself in this little video. Hi, doctor. It's been about a year since my son got his braces off. I have a few questions about his teeth. Welcome back. It's good to see you. What questions did you have? My son's teeth have been moving since his braces came off. Has your son been wearing his retainers every night? No. I mean, yes. Yes, he has. He has definitely been wearing his retainers every night. Are you sure about that? Yes. Yes, he's been wearing his retainers. That's weird, because if he has been wearing his retainers every night, his teeth shouldn't move. I know. Weird. So very weird. Almost freakishly weird. But they've moved, and I'm not happy. So what do we do now? Let me examine your son and see how his retainers fit so that we can decide what to do. Oh, he's not here. He's at football practice. Okay, have him come in at a time that is convenient for him. And be sure to have him bring his retainers with him to the appointment. What if he can't find his retainers? I think he lost them. Oh, no. You just told me that he is wearing his retainers every night. Yes, I'm pretty sure he's worn them recently. It's starting to sound to me like he may need to have some limited treatment to line his teeth up again and then get new retainers. There is no charge for that, right? <laughs> yes, there will be a charge for that. You mean to tell me that I put three kids through braces with you and you won't fix my kids' teeth for free? I probably paid for your car, your kids' college, your house, your vacation home, and your fancy clothes. This needs to be for free, or I will tell everyone what a horrible monster you are. I'm sorry. I owe you an apology. Why are you sorry? 
Is it that you were going to charge me to retreat, my son? No, I'm sorry that I just fantasized about a large bird landing on your head and slowly but painfully pecking your eyes out and eating that <laughs> tiny morsel of a brain. Don't you wish you could say that just once? Just once? The reason we find humor in that is because we've all faced that situation. We've had to endure what I call the look. What do you mean, doctor? Your, your ortho treatment didn't last. In a GP world, it's no longer, I didn't wear my retainer. It's either your retainer didn't work, doctor, or your, I never was really happy to begin with. And so, unfortunately, during our dental school education, there was a universal dental truth that didn't get emphasized enough, in my opinion. Yet, our patients are fully aware of this universal truth, and not because they missed, it was dental school related, because there's a universal truth that they've learned just from bumper stickers. And what they've learned is that shift happens, okay? <laughs> and so shift will always occur. Now, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to ignore it, depend it doesn't, I mean, pretend it doesn't exist and then blame the patient when it does? Or are we going to ignore it and then blame ourselves? What I'd like to do is give you an alternative. Realizing that shift happens, then it's particularly as a GP-focused uh, practice, I mean, orthodontically-focused GP practice, we need to go for the optimal, optimal retention system, not just for our patients, but for ourselves as well, okay? So let's look at this together, and we'll see how we can do this, not only the right for our patients, but it's going to be the right thing for our practice. And before, before we start beating ourselves up too much, let me just tell you a little bit about the reality of orthodontic world. This is from the American Association of Orthodontists, their clinical practice guidelines. It says, completion of orthodontic treatment does not ensure stability of the results. How would you like to be able to practice all day underneath that caveat? It'd be like, now I'm going to put this filling in, but that's no guarantee it's going to stay. Wouldn't that be nice and comfortable? Well, here the orthodontists are saying, just because I move your teeth, that's no guarantee of an outcome. Or, for the American Journal of Orthodontics, they said 90% of all cases relapse once retainers are removed. Therefore, they say the only way to ensure successful treatment is retainers for life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard that, I had a hard time integrating that phrase, retainers for life, into my day-to-day -day practice management patient relationships. You know, you're going to need to wear these retainers. Well, for how long, doctor? Well, we're going to recommend, when you finish movement, we recommend full-time wear of your retainers for the first six months, then you can go, you can sleep in them at night. Well, for how long? For life. <laughs> and what I found was I needed not to be timid about that phrase. And here's one thing that helped me. Let's change paradigms here. Let's not talk about ortho, let's talk about perio. If someone in your practice has perio and they either go through periodontal surgery or periodontal therapy, deep scaling or root planning, and you get them stable, 
is that a stable relationship in their mouth without flossing for life? No. So I don't think we need to be bashful about retention for life because the reality is, just like flossing, the patient's not going to floss daily for life. The hardest thing we ever do is change human behavior. So we're going to shoot high and believe for the best. Okay? So by, by recommending retainers for life, I know that people shift will happen, and some of that is patient compliance won't be there. But I feel very good and very comfortable about recommending that to my patients in terms of retainers for life because I want them to have an optimal outcome, not just the day I finish, but I want it to be long-term because these are long-term patients. So with that thought in mind, what you really need to have, if you don't already have already, is with every case, I strongly recommend you have a case completion letter. We have a letter we use in our practice that is, it's a celebratory letter. We're so happy that you are now have completed your Invisalign treatment with our office, and I'm done. D-O-N-E, done. Finished. Teeth of, I am done moving teeth. I am passing the baton to you cheerfully. Anything passed, this line in the sand is on you. My job is done. So if you don't have a letter like that, I highly encourage you to create one in order not just to manage teeth, but to manage the relationship so you can avoid the look. And you can avoid feeling trapped into doing those retreatments for free. Because I, I did my fair share. I've been doing Invisalign for more than 10 years. And for the majority of that time, when I first started, Vivera didn't even exist. So we made our own retainers and pretended they fit and pretended they worked. And because I was too cheap to have a lab make them for me. True confessions. Not that anyone here faces that same dilemma. But uh, that's just where I was. So if you don't have a letter like that, you can create your own. Or, as uh, Chris was mentioning in the introduction, I work with Dr. Galler with the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics. And for members, those types of letters are available for free download. We have an expanded uh, consent form as well as a case completion or case celebration letter. Um, so you may want to check that out online, find out all the different uh, benefits of membership. One of the things that's particularly helpful, I know a lot of doctors like to get help with their cases. In fact, there's a couple of people I know that have sprung up across the country that you can, you can send them your information and they'll help you develop your ClinCheck for like $100 or $200 per case. Well, we have a blog on the website where you can actually submit your photos to that blog and have doctors give you advice, doctors that have done hundreds and thousands of cases. So check it out online. If nothing else, for the sake of that completion letter, could well be uh, worth the membership fee. The other thing that's unique to us is, as an uh, orthodontically focused GP practice is, well, let's think of the contrast once again. Think of the specialist. Where does the orthodontist get his or her new patients? From referrals. From you. Where do you get your new patients? Well, this morning we heard about the great and expensive marketing that Invisalign is doing. So they're driving patients to the doctor locator, 
And you may be doing you know, promotional, direct mail, things like that, promotions for Invisalign, and that may bring you new patients. But what is your best source of new Invisalign patients? Existing patients. Satisfied new patients. Excuse me, satisfied previous patients who are going to refer new patients to your practice. So if that's our best source of new patients, their satisfaction of our previous patients, it ups the ante for optimal retention. Anything less than optimal retention, we're actually undermining our vision to be an orthodontically focused GP practice because you're, you're choking your lifeline of new patients. So this, going for the optimal retention will not only be the best thing for your patient, but it will be the best thing for your practice. And so that's the reason the title of the presentation is Rivera, not just retention, but there is a built-in revenue potential that is actually to your advantage as well as to the patient's advantage in terms of the stability of the outcome. But before we look at the technical aspects of retention, let's look more at the philosophical aspect, okay? I know you're here because you all are offering Invisalign in your practice. To help illustrate how all this integrates in terms of philosophy, treatment, retention, and revenue, I decided to use just the illustration of the game Scrabble. Anybody here play Scrabble? Okay. So we're going to pretend like we've got Scrabble tiles up here. And the first word played on the board is Invisalign. Now, why, why would a GP office want to offer Invisalign in their practice? What's the main motivator in offering Invisalign to our patients? Income is one. Back row, real loud. Revenue, okay. Anything else? Improved dental health. I hope that is the motivator, okay? Because that fits on my Scrabble board, okay? <laughs> so if our motivator is health, if that's our main motivator and that's how we're presenting it to our patients, income will always follow, okay? And so I believe that the health motivation should be the engine on the train, the revenue should be the caboose. So with that assumption is that we are recommending Invisalign and we're incorporating that into our practice based on a desire to get patients healthy. Where do we put retention? In that, our whole commitment to Invisalign treatment, where does retention typically come in? At the end. Now, practically speaking, from a clinical perspective, Retention will always be at the end of movement. That's a, that's a given. But if that's when we start talking about or thinking about retention, you have positioned yourself for an increased probability of relapse. To control relapse and to control the relationship with the patient, the best time to talk about retention is not at the end, but toward the beginning, and the best fit for that both in terms of Scrabble and in terms of our treatment for our patients, is with Vivera retention discussed at the very beginning of treatment. So before we're done today, I'm going to share with you how that works in our practice, but suffice it to say that the original conversation of retention with Vivera occurs within the context of the consultation and the initial fee quote for Invisalign. 
It's not an, after, it's not an afterthought. It's not a tacked-on fee that comes at the end. I could never, talking about the look, I didn't want to have to embrace the look of, I'm so glad you just spent $5,000 with me straightening your teeth. Now I need another $525 for your retainers. Not a practice builder, okay? Now I'm going to still charge you $525 for Rivera, but we're going to discuss that on day one, and you're going to think that's the best deal that you ever could have done, okay? Particularly if this is your second time to do ortho, or your third. How many of you are treating, how many of you are treating patients and it's the third time in ortho? or at least their second, a lot of relapse. Conversation about a, another $500 for Rivera, slam dunk. They know, they know why they're having that conversation today. Is because at 17, they lost that retainer, they, didn't tell, they got embarrassed, they didn't tell mom for two months, and then it was too late, okay? So we can help our patients avoid that, and we can, as we do that, as we start putting it at the front end, there will be a link between our goal for health and our, our chosen system of retention that will actually help boost revenue in your practice. So by doing the right thing for the patient, you ultimately will get blessed as well. But our motive is the health of the patient. So with that part out of the way, let's talk about Vivera. Tell me what you know about it. Who can tell me, who can give me a bullet point item about Vivera? Four sets. Strong. Invisible. Clear. What else? Pardon? They don't last that long. I have never heard that. Okay. That's an opinion. I don't, I don't have anything to back it up, but that's an opinion. Okay. What else? Anybody? I'm sorry? Is a permanent retainer, and you get you here. You say the word fresh. No, I imagine that. Okay, no impression. You do have that option. You can have Vivera made from the last stage of treatment, or you can take an impression. Making it from the last stage of treatment is an option, provided you haven't used dimpling pliers or something that has altered the activity of that last aligner. Okay. Anything else? You get four of them, you get four sets. Are they free? Cost. Who are they cost? Two seventy-five for a set of four. So we never talk about a set of four. We always talk about you're going to get eight retainers. Because eight sounds like more than it's four sets of two. Would you agree? It's all in, all in presentation. So you all have hit the high points of Vivera system. Our main purpose today is not for me to tell you all the benefits of the mechanics of Vivera. Dr. Doug Brandt has a recorded webinar on the Line Tech Institute that he does an exquisite job of that. He has the science to back it, comparing it to other retention systems. So I would encourage you, and I'm going to refer you to his webinar for that part of the topic. And today we're going to talk more about how this can impact your practice as well as provide a superior retention for your patients, okay? So, I try to distill down our choices of retainers into four basic categories. I admit there is a fifth. A bonded lingual retainer is another great option to, 
to be totally candid, I couldn't fit five pictures across the slide, okay? So we're going to go with four today, and I am conceding that a bonded lingual retainer is very effective, although maybe not the most hygienic, okay? Now, you have this in your handout, and what I'd like for you to do is on each of these categories, like for effectiveness, in those little squares, put one of two things, either a plus mark or a minus. It's like for each, for Vivera, a lab-fabricated appliance, or a suck-down, or a holly, are they effective, plus or minus? But for each category, I want you to have one minus. So out of these four, which ones are effective, but give me one minus, because one is least effective? And the same for cost. Just make a plus minus mark in there somewhere. This should be real quick. Do you think Bavera is effective, plus or minus? Do you think a lab fabricated appliance is effective, plus or minus? But there needs to be one minus on every line. For effectiveness, cost, and durability. Woo! Congruency, let me explain that. Congruency is recognizing the fact that why did your patient do Invisalign the first, in the first place? Aesthetics. How do we typically market Invisalign? As a wireless option. So which of these are congruent with that original motivation of the patient? The last one, the nudge factor, we haven't talked about yet, so just leave that blank. Okay? So just real quick, plus or minus. And I am willing to acknowledge with the variety of clinical backgrounds and training here, we will have a difference of opinion on which of these systems is most effective, most cost efficient, and most durable. But I bet, I bet we can get consensus on which are the worst in each category. Okay? So, on effectiveness, which do you think is least effective? Suck down. Remember dental materials class in dental school? You know, you're supposed to weigh the powder and measure the water. And we quickly forget that when we get out. We just kind of like, you know, like mixing cake powder. kind of looks good. And that affects the expansion of the stone. And if the stone expands, then you're making a suck down on a model that's bigger than what's there, and it's like you try it in, and then you, then you give your assistant the look. It's like, this doesn't fit, you know? And it's all because we took shortcuts. How do I know? Because like I said, when I first started, Vivera wasn't an option, and I made hundreds, I didn't make, my assistants made hundreds of these Essex retainers, some multiple times. Finally, when Rivera came out, and I had to get past a mental block I had in my mind of being able to collect a fee for that, I was able to do that to avoid not only the look from the patient when um, something changed, but also I got tired of the look from my assistant when I said, let's just make another retainer. And they're thinking, you make it, dude. You know? <laughs> and so... So I, would, I think we can agree that that's going to be the least effective. What about cost? Which one would you put your negative by in terms of cost? Sorry? Now I'm hearing everything. I think Rivera is going to be cost. I mean, it's 275. 
So your upfront cost is going to be more. I don't think you're going to pay 275 to a lab to make you one set of retainers, okay? And of course, your cost for an Essex or a Holly is going to be less. So as far as upfront cost, it is going to be more, but I bet before we're done with this hour, we're all going to be able to agree it's the best value for you and for the patient. Durability, which one's going to be least in durability? I would agree. Congruency, which is least congruent? Yep. Now, on nudge factor, we're going to get to that in just a second, but let me just go ahead and clue you in that none of these other three have the ability to nudge your patients toward better health. Okay? And so just hold that thought in your mind. I'm going to put it together with what nudge factor really is. So let's look at this in a little bit greater detail. Of our options, if we take Holly out of the mix and we're just looking at lab fabricated and an office fabricated clear appliance, the other thing that we have to consider is that both of those retainers are going to require two sets of impressions. Can anybody tell me why? Going once, twice, three times a lady? Once that retainer is made, either by the lab or in your office, what happens to that model? Destroy it. So why do you need a second set? Pardon? I hear just in case it remains. Actually, and the reason I wanted to emphasize this is because most of us didn't really get that grade of orthodontic training in dental school. And so we've kind of just massaged it and made it, kind of made up our own stuff as we go and making it into our practice. But your standard of care is such that every orthodontic case you start, you need the records you take to start the case, you repeat that at conclusion. All the photographs, a set of models, and an x-rays are part of your legal record that you hold for five years. If you don't have that, you are walking on thin ice. I've been doing this... Well, I'm about to have my 30-year reunion from dental school. And it took me a while to get comfortable enough to share this, but I'll just let you know that I've had the, shall we say, the luxury of defending my license in a court of law. It had nothing to do with Invisalign. And we, were, we prevailed. I should throw that in. But let me tell you, you just don't want to be there. You do not want to be there with your trap door open, okay? You want to, you, you've got to keep legal records. You have to have a documented case. What did this patient look like before I moved the tooth? What did they look like and what was it like when I finished? And so one of the beauties about Vivera is that you're gonna have all that stored for you digitally. If you ever had to produce a model in a court of law, you just call up Invisalign, they will produce for you a, an acrylic model from that digital scan they made the Vivera from. You don't have to store models in your office. And because you're submitting the photographs, when you, you can't submit the photographs when you do the Vivera. Actually, no, you can't. But you can store the, the storing the uh, digital photographs is easy. So anyway, make sure you're taking good records. And of course, as we already talked about, the accuracy of those appliances are dependent upon technique. So with that in mind, really, those options may have a lower front-end cost but truly, in my opinion, are the most expensive option you could pick for yourself or for the patient. In contrast, why don't, why don't more people use Vivera routinely? 
I can't speak for everyone, but I can tell you why I was originally slow to adopt this. Okay, and so maybe some of these would fit for you. I thought it was too expensive to include with my treatment. I wasn't willing to eat that 275 out of my profits from the Invisalign. I didn't think I could charge patients for it and they would pay. And then I, had, I saw in my Invisalign cases, after wearing Invisalign for months, you would sometimes get intrusion of the posterior teeth. And I had heard, well, if you cover the teeth with the retainers, they're going to intrude too. Well, I had to educate myself. Now, on the expensive part, I'm just going to agree with you, your upfront cost is going to be greater with Vivera, but, again, it's going to be the best value, and I finally got past my own mental barriers, my fear of failure, my fear of rejection, and I developed a system, so I just quote a fee for the Vivera when I quote my Invisalign fee, and I've never had a patient stroke out, tell me that's ridiculous, who would ever charge for that, all in the presentation, I've never had a patient not be willing to pay that fee. And um, so I, I had to take a leap of faith to see that happen. And so you will too, but I'm just telling you that from my experience, and we've done, well, as you mentioned, we've, as they showed in the slide, I've done over 950 cases, not all of those with Vivera, but as we started presenting this, patients just don't flinch. And I do feel that it needs to be a separate fee rather than built into it because if, I, if, I'm coming, uh, if you're coming to me for an Invisalign consult and you've already had two somewhere else in town, you've already gotten a quote, if I build the Vivera fee into my fee, now I'm going to be higher than everybody else and you may go somewhere else. But... If you've gotten a fee from somewhere, somebody else, and my fee's the same, and I'm, but I'm going to charge you an extra five and a quarter for Vivera, and I've built value, you're going to be wondering, well, why didn't, what are these guys giving me? Did they shortchange me? And so it took me, I had to really process that in my head, and I thought, you know what, let me just, let me just try this out. And I never looked back. And so I'm going to share with you kind of how that works in terms of some of the semantics in our office, and you're welcome to try it out. Patients won't pay. I found out that was a myth in my own little mind. It was not based upon any experience. It's just something I dreamed up. And once I actually started experiencing it, I realized it was a myth. The same is true with intrusion. It's something I just assumed because the Vivera looks so much like the Invisalign, but it's a totally different acrylic. Invisalign aligners are kind of like a diving board. You can stand out on the end of the diving board and it has a spring to it. Well, so does an aligner. Vivera doesn't. Vivera is closer to a night guard. It's much, much more rigid, and you just don't have that intrusion. That's just not my opinion, but they've researched that at the Costa Rica facility where they've actually measured that, and it just doesn't occur. And again, you can think about it. Do you have that problem? Do patients have intrusion of posterior teeth when they're wearing a night guard? No, because it's rigid, and the Vivera is rigid as well, so you will not have that. So just trying to debunk some of those myths. So again, I think we'll come back to the fact that even though the other options may have a lower upfront cost, it is in fact the more expensive option all the way around. Now let me talk about this nudge factor for just a moment. Because it's this nudge factor that really brings into fact brings into play how the Vivera can boost your revenue as well. Now, 
In terms of having a successful dental practice, I'm of the opinion, and I bet you would agree, a successful dental practice is not so much about understanding teeth as it is understanding people. You can be the world's greatest clinician, but if you don't understand people, you're not going to have true success. Either you're going to be treating very few people, or you're just going to be frustrated. So understanding people is part of clinical success. Now, I'm also of the opinion that as far as understanding people and practice management, most of what we hear today in most meetings is just a rehash of a bunch of stuff that was first dreamed up in the 80s and 90s and no one's come up with anything really new inside of dentistry. So I think to learn next gen, which is kind of our theme, next generation understanding of people, we need to go outside of dentistry to really gain insight. And so I, someone tip, uh, turned me on to this book about two years ago. It's called Nudge, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness. And it's written by two fellows, Thayer and I think it's Sastine, Sunstein. They are what are called social economists. I had no idea that was even what they were. But they're social economists. And so what they study is human behavior as it relates to economics, and they have a philosophy called choice architecture, that there are things that can be done that will influence people's architecture of choice to make the best decision. One of the, well, actually, I'll get ahead of myself. Let's look at this for just a moment, because how, how are we normally taught how people make decisions, or how do we normally approach this in our dental setting? Too often, we follow this model on the left where we feel the patient needs to know all of their options and then we will help persuade them by the volume of our information as to which one is best for them. I can just tell you that that is not only ineffective, it, I guess you could say it's unpredictable as well. What will happen is if you assume that for this decision on the, on the left side of your screen here, there are five possible options, one of which is the best for that human being. If you provide them all the options and try to persuade them with your wealth of knowledge and all your wondrous words, typically 20% will pick each option. So that means 80% missed out on what was best for them. So choice architecture is exploring the science, is there anything I can do respecting the person's ability to choose and make their own decisions? Is there anything I can do that would help them make the right choice, right being in the, most, the best interest of their health? Let me illustrate with a non-dental example. Staying here in the hotel, you may have seen a sign something like this. Different hotels say it different ways but they're giving you this choice to help conserve water and energy to reuse your towel. Okay? Did you see that in your room? Okay. So with that sign, what are your options? Use your towel, reuse it, or get it laundered. Okay? They're giving you a choice. They conducted this study with a particular chain of hotels. They just a simple changing of the choice architecture and how they phrased it they changed it to, 
Just thought you'd want to know, 75% of the people who stayed in this very room, 1119, reused their towel. Is there a choice there? It's just a statement. The majority of the people do this. Why wouldn't you want to? Simple change in wording. Look at how it changed the result. So almost 12% more people reuse their towel using less water, putting less detergent into our clean water system, requiring less labor, brought down the cost of the hotel just by change, just changing the choice architecture. It's something that simple. What I'm presenting to you today is that Vivera, incorporating Vivera across the board in your practice will create that same choice architecture, and I'll show you how. Going back to our original Scrabble game here, remember our whole reason for doing Invisalign was health, the health of the patient. There was a, uh, he's now deceased, there was a practice management guy, he's actually back in the 80s, that's how old I am, okay? His name was Avram King. And Avram King, he had this postulate, he said there's only two types of dentistry that exist. Complete dentistry and incomplete. That's it. And you can either practice complete dentistry or incomplete, patch them up, pat them on the back. Now, because you're here, I know you believe in complete dentistry because complete general dentistry, in my opinion, cannot exist outside of treating malocclusion. It doesn't exist. General dentistry without orthodontics is, in my opinion, always incomplete dentistry. So I know you're here believing in complete dentistry, so what if we could create a choice architecture that helped our patients move toward complete dentistry? That's what I believe Rivera does for us. So, but let me, just, let me just show you more of how this choice architecture works, okay? This is a picture from a school cafeteria. Notice how they've arranged the different choices the students can pick from. Simply by putting the fresh fruits and vegetables on the top shelves, the kids were too lazy to bend over and pick up the candy bar. So more fresh fruits and vegetables were consumed by changing the choice architecture. Did they still have the freedom to choose? Absolutely. But by just thinking of this in advance, what could, what could I do to help people make the right choice? Here's another example. This is Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. This is a, a curve that people would go into at excessive speeds and they were causing uh, traffic accidents. So they put these signs up all along Lakeshore Drive, says slow down to 25 miles per hour, caution slow, caution slow, break now, didn't make a difference. So they changed the choice architecture. They painted these perpendicular lines here, and if you notice, they're not evenly spaced. They get closer together as you get into the curve. And what happened was, people who were not slowing down, they were ignoring the signs, seeing those lines come at them faster, they thought they were speeding up, and they would break. <laughs> Just choice architecture helped them make the most healthy decision subconsciously. Changing the wording 
on these trash receptacles. Instead of saying trash and recycle, when the choice was trash and recycle, they didn't have as much recycled material as when they said, do you want to send it to the landfill or do you want to recycle? When they realized that, that choosing, putting it in the left hole was going to add to the landfill, people were more conscious about their decision and sorted their trash more, just changing the choice architecture. This is from university cafeterias. I don't think it's unique to universities, but what they found out is by having a tray, typically the students would pick up more food than they would eat, so they had a lot of wasted food, wasted disposable products, napkins, silverware, paper products, simply by eliminating the tray, and you had to carry the plate around, people ate more proportional sized meals, less waste went to the disposal or the landfill, they were, they were purchasing less paper products and disposable goods. It just helped people make the right choice. So this science of choice architecture is real, we can bring it into our dental world through Vivera. This is my favorite example, and ladies, forgive me, it won't mean as much to you as it does to us guys, okay? This little stencil drawing of a fly created a choice architecture. What they found out was they could take this line drawing of a fly and bake it into the porcelain of a urinal. And having that fly, <laughs> stick with me, having that fly on the back wall resulted in 80% less spillage on the floor. <laughs> Who would have thought that just simply having a target <laughs> would change the outcome? So if something that simple can change an outcome, what if, what if recommending a superior retention product could actually help people make a better choice about their health? I believe it can, and I'm going to show you how. Okay? So this is a fellow. His name's Christian. I treated him in my days of making Essex retainers. Christian came to us wanting Invisalign, he had interproximal decay between 13 and 14, and he wanted to start Invisalign that day. So as you can tell from his photographs, he still has a bolus of local anesthetic up there in his cheek. We did, his two, we did the composites on 13 and 14 and started his Invisalign. His case finished very nicely, orthodontically, but is he healthy? Have I practiced complete or incomplete dentistry? The light's not that great. You can't see the dark shattering around this class two amalgam. These are not pristine restorations. One or both of those molars I think we've now crowned. But because I was willing to complete his treatment, I was willing to do the urgent treatment, complete his treatment, make him a cheap Essex and send him on his way, I'm your orthodontic hero, that was his choice of architecture. And in my mind, it's like, well, you know what? If we do some dentistry down the road, I can always just have my assistant make you another one. How easy is that? Easy for me, but is that what's best for Christian? What if by changing that dynamic and realizing we are, we are just like those lines on Lakeshore Drive, we are rapidly approaching a subscription retainer system 
that needs to fit over your teeth. If there's any dental work that needs to be done, we should do it now so your retainers fit over the next two years. That simple choice architecture change has dramatically increased the amount of restorative dentistry I do on my, on my Invisalign patients. It's all how you package it and present it. So again, going back to our model of health and putting retention at the beginning, it will help drive revenue. And so even though our motive is health, just know there is something in it for you as well. So for this to work, the concept of retention needs to start, the conversation needs to start at the consult. It needs to start at the consult and it needs to create, stress the value. If you stress the value, the cost is really, and I, I, I'm not taking, I never want to take a patient's economic standing for granted. So when I say the, the cost is not an issue, $525 is a, is a lot of money for a lot of people. I'm not discounting that. But, you know, they spend way more than that on cable and cell phone and even text messaging. And I mean, it depends on where your values are. So if you create value, that cost is not going to be an issue. Particularly if you see it, we often phrase it as it's the best insurance policy to protect the investment you're making in your Invisalign. Okay? Whenever you buy an electronics, I mean, I, this may be a bad example because I hate it when they do it to me. You're checking out at Best Buy. They go, can I, they pull out the little cards like, you want to buy this extended service contract on that? For this amount, it's going to be $45. You know, it's after the sale. It's like, are you selling me cheap goods? Why do, I, why do I need an extended service contract? So we're not wanting to present it like that, but if it's built into the front end, you know, this, we're going to create value, and I'm going to show you how. Patients won't object to the cost. And again, we are going to charge a fee for that, so that everyone's uh, protected. And also, I believe by charging that fee, you're actually helping the patient be more compliant. Because now that you've instilled value in that, if it's just built into the system, it's more easy to be lazy or forgetful. So you're going to discuss the Vivera at the beginning of the consult. You're going to stress value. You're going to discuss it at your records appointment. You're going to discuss it during treatment. You're going to discuss it at refinement or mid-course correction. Let me just take a quick tangent here. If our goal is to get patients healthy, I finally realized that I was undermining my commitment to patient health in that my patient's restorative dentistry was being put on hold during the length of their Invisalign. And finally I realized that is totally not necessary. And in fact, it's the most dishonoring thing I can do for my patient. Hypothetically, let's say you're going to do Invisalign, and we know you're going to need three or four crowns, half a dozen class two composites, and we're going to save all of that and want you to bear all of that expense the month we finish your Invisalign, and you need to do it all real quick because we're ready to make your Vivera. Who's going to move forward with that? I mean, I don't know about you, but a few of my patients are somewhat constrained by their insurance maximums. Anybody else have that? So it's like, no, you're going to put me over my max. I can't do that. And it's like, well, we can't stretch this out over three years. And I realized I had created a choice architecture encouraging my patients to put things off by not talking about dentistry during their Invisalign. So a lot of my, I do a lot of refinement. I like refinement. One reason 
many reasons, but one reason in particular, if you look at your Invisalign cases and you get to the point, let's say you're in liner 23 out of 25 and you realize we're not going to be done at 25. We're going to need some more. Start talking about that at an appointment or two early and say, you know what? Because most often, every Invisalign case is, is posterior movement happens ahead of anterior movement. Am I correct? That's the majority. So most of your cases, when you get to refinement, posterior teeth have already been in retention for months. So we do, whenever I am ready to do a refinement, I try to start at least one or two appointments before and I tell the patient, you know what, we're going to make you a couple extra aligners in a few weeks because you have, we are, I will identify them. I say we are three, four, two, pick a number. We're two teeth away from being done. We need this tooth and this tooth needs more work. We're going to make some more aligners. That's all included. No big deal. We're going to take those impressions at your next appointment. Now, when we do that, as you remember, we've talked about you've got these retainers coming and we've got some dentistry that needs to be done. If we go ahead and do some on that day before we take your impressions, then you won't have all that dentistry to do when we finish. So we're going to help segment your dentistry. Let's do some before we take your refinement impressions, and that way you're going to be closer to being healthy, getting all the treatment done before we make their Vivera. So we've changed the whole choice architecture because we want complete dentistry, not incomplete. So we discuss it again as we're nearing final records. So what does this look like? This is a patient of ours, Margie. Margie came in because she broke number 18, excuse me, 31, that mesial lingual cusp. That was the reason she was in the office. So the conversation went something like this, and I'm going to have to abbreviate it just a little because of our time. But Margie, so, so glad you're here. Sorry we're meeting over a broken tooth. Good news is we can get that fixed. Couldn't help but notice, looks like you may have had a broken tooth in the past on the other side. Can you tell me the story about that? Because she's got the crown on 19. Usually that comes with the story, yeah, I broke that one too. Well, Margie, I'm starting to sense a pattern here, how your back teeth are breaking. And in fact, if we look at your upper picture, I hate to bring, bring the bad news to you, but most of these teeth are starting to crack as well. And just like this tooth was made right again by being crowned, most of these teeth are going to need to be crowned. So before we start do, fixing all these things, I think it's only appropriate to ask, why is this happening? Why is this happening to you? Because you have 28 teeth, and 20 of them have never needed any dental work. You have 20 healthy teeth. It's just your molars are starting to fatigue because of time and wear, as well as your front teeth are starting to shorten. It has to do with how your teeth fit or don't fit together. So this all becomes an Invisalign conversation, and it eventually comes, Margie, does this make sense? Would you, do you want me to just fix the teeth, or do you want me to fix why this is happening? Assuming she gives me positive feedback on that, and we're heading down toward moving teeth, well, Margie, if that's what we want to do, let's develop a plan that will help get you healthy. Is that okay with you? She says, great. Well, Margie, that will include, Darth Vader's right on top of us here. We better hurry up, okay? Margie, that will include a combination of short-term goals and long-term goals. Today, I'm going to give you information on what we're going to do in the short term. You and I both know there's more dentistry before we're done. So Margie, let's, we know this tooth is going to be crowned. 
I'd like to crown that tooth to your brand new bite. We're going to include complimentary whitening with your straightening. So we're going to make that crown fit to your brand new bite and your brand new color. Okay? At the same time, I'd like to get all this decay out of these teeth. We're going to do reparative fillings in those, move your teeth, and then we're going to crown those to your brand new bite. And then we're going to put you in a subscription service retention that will help keep these teeth where we put them, help protect your brand new crowns. How does this sound to you? Okay, so we're planting that seed of thought. This is a journey and what benchmarks along the way. So segment this just a little bit because I'm having to kind of improv here. Assuming we get, we get positive feedback. Patient says, you want to be Margie for me? Okay, Margie. So, hypothetically, these are your pictures. We've gotten this conversation. You're loving the whole idea, okay? I'm going to ask you, is this something you want to do? And you're going to have, you're going to have to, this is going to be a stretch for most people, but you're going to be that one rare patient that wants to know how much it's going to cost first, okay? <laughs> okay. So, Margie, what do you think? Does this make sense to you? you like to, does this make sense moving the teeth so that they will last longer and fit right? It does, but how yeah. Great question, Margie. I'm so glad you asked, okay? We would never ask you to commit to treatment without giving that information first. The good news is Invisalign doesn't cost any more than regular braces. And in our area, Invisalign or regular braces is going to cost anywhere from about $4,800 to $6,800. The fees range based upon length and complexity of treatment. The good news is your case is not the most complex we've ever done. But I don't know if I can call it simple. But all the things we've talked about, I don't see any reason we can't do that for a fee of $5,000. And that includes. I never quote a fee without the that includes, because we're building value. So Margie, that, move everything, everything we talked about, I don't see any reason we couldn't do that for a fee of $5,000. And that includes all your x-rays, all the models, all the computer work, my time, the technician's time, all your aligners, all the visits to fit and adjust the aligners, complimentary whitening, and a cosmetic polishing of the rust spots of your teeth when we're done. If we get to the end, you've got a couple stubborn teeth, I'll make you another set of aligners at no additional cost. So that's going to get you to where you are up to the point of retainers. And what we have found is choice architecture. What we have found is the best retention system for our patients to protect this investment is a subscription service that only Invisalign offers. What research has shown is when patients get one retainer or one set of retainers, around the four to six month mark, no matter how carefully they have brushed and cleaned those, they will start to develop odors and stains and just get kind of gross. And so around that four to six month mark, people will look at the retainer and think, ooh, I don't want to put that in my mouth. I know what my doctor said, but it's just gross. So they skip a night. One night becomes two or three. That becomes a week or two. Now they feel guilty. They put it back in. It doesn't fit. Now they're embarrassed. And they quit altogether, and everything starts to unravel. Invisalign has solved that for you by giving you a subscription service. You're going to get a computer-generated, sounds great, doesn't it, computer-generated clear retainer that is a subscription service, you're going to get duplicate ones every six months that will keep your teeth stable for the first two years after treatment. That subscription service, eight retainers, four upper and four lowers, 525. I've never had one, 
I've never had anybody balk at the fee. Now, I had to take a leap of faith. I had to take a leap of faith that that was going to happen, and you will too. But if you'll do it, you're going to have better retention, longer satisfied patients, more referrals, and you'll help patients get healthy. I'll show you how. A couple of real-world examples. This is Susan. Susan's a physician. She came in because she was noticing her 8 and 9 were translucent on the incisal edge. She's a Bruxer par excellence. Okay? So we talked to her about her malocclusion. We said we can move the teeth, but I can't replace the missing enamel without putting porcelain on it. She goes, that's fine. Let's get correct the bite first. So we knew we were going to be dealing with that. If you study the photographs very much, you'll see other areas, the cervical areas of ab fraction that need to repair as well. The full arch bite, she had a defective crown over here. You see all the bruxism there. We knew there was more dentistry that had to happen. At the very beginning, we give her the whole spiel about moving teeth and a subscription for her Invisalign, and she'll want her dental work done so her Vivera fits over her new dental work so that going forward, she only needs to come in and see the hygienist our goal is that she will be complete, complete dentistry, stable for life. So by creating that choice architecture and building that in, we did complete the treatment. We got our four veneers done. We did the zirconia crowns on uh, 19 and 31. We went for strength instead of color on those. And as a result, she finished not just with straight teeth, but she finished with a healthy mouth, for the practice, rather than just collecting an Invisalign fee, I collected an Invisalign fee, a Vivera fee, four veneers, two crowns, seven composites, because she wanted her Vivera to fit over everything when we're done. We dispense our Vivera every six months because now they ship to your office. So we use the Vivera as part of our hygiene recall system. So we're using that as a motivator to stay consistent with your hygiene. Not only do you need to come and see the hygienist, we've got your, we've got your next retainer here. You need to come get it. You've already paid for it. So it helps, helps keep our patients consistent on their hygiene. Again, the motive is health, but the patient, I mean, the, the patient's benefiting, the practice is benefiting by more revenue. Another patient, a little more complex, a little less attractive, but such is life. Finally wanted to get her teeth straight. The sad story is she'd already tried once. Can you tell? No bicuspids. Somebody tried to help out once upon a time. Shift happens. So we talked to her. We said, yeah, we can move your teeth, but there's some dental work that's going to need to be done. She goes, yeah, I know, but it makes sense to move them first. I said, I agree. We talked about the whole retention system. We developed a ClinCheck for We were going to be intruding the anteriors. If you heard Dr. Galler's lecture just before mine, you realize that intrusion doesn't always happen 100% predictably. So we were going to be faced with a refinement. And I like refinement because it gives me a chance to get some dental work done as well. Let's skip ahead here. So this is our panorex. I'm just using that as an illustration. So we, we completed her first set of aligners. She was going to need... Um, refinement to complete the anterior intrusion of 7, 8, and 9. We took the opportunity of taking impressions for refinement to complete the dentistry on her right side. We went ahead and did the buildups and crowns on those posterior teeth, did her refinement. During the course of refinement, we did the composites on the other side, doing the composites to fit under the aligners. Very easy process, okay? Then, when we're ready to make her ververa, 
we only were faced with these last three crowns that needed to be done. That was manageable for her in terms of timeline and economics. We were able to access and maximize her insurance over two insurance years, and now she's going to finish healthy because we created a choice architecture that was to her benefit so we can practice complete dentistry. And I know you can do the same. So from bottom line to the practice, rather than just doing Invisalign for this patient, which is a great service, we used the concept of Revera retention to nudge her toward making the right decision for her health. We went from just doing Invisalign to Invisalign plus the Revera feed, the seven buildups and crowns, three composites, and using her Revera to help motivate her to stay consistent with her hygiene. Similar case, we had, on this case, there was a... Um, 10 was too narrow, so we knew we were going to be doing a veneer there. Excuse me, I went backwards. We knew we were going to be doing a veneer there. This is what we knew we wanted to do, what I was hoping to accomplish. But when we finished, the patient wasn't interested. She wanted to do the front four veneers, which we were able to do, but she said no to everything else. So I want to give you real quick here a system where you can do dentistry underneath of Rivera. This is, there may be other systems but this is what has worked for me. Assuming we're going to do, this is actually a, a crown we did underneath an existing Vivera. Before we start, inject blue mousse into your Vivera. You're making a putty index of that. Prep your tooth, scan with your Itero to get your, so they can create for you an acrylic pristine model. Now you send that index to a lab that has digital capabilities, particularly a CEREC in-lab, they can do what's called correlation. What they do is they take that index and they scan it and they make a digital model of that that captures the cusp heights and the, the curvature of that tooth and they use that to form the exterior of your new crown. Then they basically shrink wrap that over your prep, mill it, stain it, glaze it, return it to you in your Itero models. There's the crown. You can even see where you just cleaned up the cement. It's a perfect fit under the Vivera. So when your patients don't take the nudge, you still have options at the end, okay? So going back to our original construct, our whole motive in doing this is health. By putting retention at the front end, we have created a choice architecture that is a better option for your patients and also a better option for your practice. I want to thank you for your time. I hope you can put this to use and help your patients get healthy.